Paris to just a few dozen in September and October. They include people from Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Yemen, Kenya, Morocco, and Somalia. The Kremlin denies that it's behind the surge. I'm Norman Hall. A 23-year-old Pennsylvania woman has been sentenced to decades in prison after pleading guilty to driving under the influence, then striking and killing two state troopers and a pedestrian on a Philadelphia interstate last year. More on these stories at townhall.com. WNRI Winsocket. WNRI Weather, brought to you by John the Roofer. Since 1950, roofing and chimney services. Find us online at johntheroofercoe.com. Call now and save 866-906-ROOF. Here is your WNRI weather update. Plenty of sunshine for Black Friday with a minimal cloud cover, a daytime high of 48, and a light wind. Friday night's temp drops quickly to just 22 degrees under an absolute clear sky. Friday's low determines Saturday's high to just 39 degrees with times of sun and clouds and 8 on the sunshine brightness scale. After sunset, Saturday night will be partly cloudy with a 23-degree low. Sunday heats up to a 48-degree high temp under a 64% cloud cover. Rain comes to town on Sunday night up to half an inch, a 38-degree low so it won't freeze. Monday rebounds with a daytime high of 51 and Light rain. This is your WNRI weather forecast. Hey, thank you. And right now at WNRI, a morning temperature is up there at 38 degrees. WNRI's up front. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Upfront program. Roger Bouchard here as we're here every day. I feel bad for our guest today, uh, Tim Draper from Navigant Credit Union. He's, he's, he's got a tough act to uh, follow. Tuesday, we had, uh, uh, we had Scott McGee, city council member, the night after a Woonsocket City Council meeting. And um, as uh, Tim, you know, there's a few things going on here in Woonsocket. There's a couple of things people are talking about. <laughs> we'll introduce Tim uh, formally in a few seconds. And then we had like a double a double hit from uh, Mayor uh, Beauchamp stopping by with, um, with the very colorful Steve D'Agostino, our public works director. That was an interesting program talking about the first two weeks in office uh, with the uh, with the mayor and the uh, assurances that Mr. D'Agostino, who has a whole bunch of projects on the fire right now, is going to stay around. And he uh, certainly made that uh, clear to us. Thank you, Steve. And then yesterday, an unusual program, um, you know, the uh, two guys that own uh, WNRI, my brother and myself, got together for um, a pre-70th year celebration, um, November 1954. Uh, WNRI uh, started uh, broadcasting. We've been right here ever since. As Tim knows, uh, uh, the last time he was here, nothing's changed. You realize, right? <laughs> we don't. At W, my brother and I do not like change. You know, really, right? Uh, just getting a computer was. Uh, I think the seventy-eight yeah. records on the wall really give that away, Roger. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's like a little museum when you walk in here, <laughs> or a hoarder's house. I'm not quite sure, oh, yeah. but uh, anyway. Um, uh, so anyway, we did that program uh, yesterday, and the other day I called uh, Tim Draper from Navigant and asked him if uh, he could accommodate us on, I think, uh, a very important topic. Uh, so who is Tim Draper? He is um, vice president, uh, senior vice president over at Navigant. He's been over there for uh, over uh, 30 years, and uh, 
And he's um, um, vice president of public relations, community engagement, uh, runs the foundation. What do you do over there? Do you, do, do you stay busy? I think there's a lot of people who ask that same question, Roger. What do you do over there? Mostly my boss. <laughs> Including the board, right? Right. right. <laughs> Just to know, too. Uh, actually, my job is really, uh, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I started my career at Navigant in the marketing department, as you probably remember. Spent about 25 years running the, uh, running the team over there. Building the building the program and uh, it, it's been great. We got some new leadership this year. Gary Furtado, after forty four years at the helm, had uh, decided to retire. Good for him. Um, and uh, we have a new CEO. Her name's Kathy Orovitz, and she comes from North Smithfield. Bob been in the banking business for a long time, and she um, decided that she wanted to elevate um, our community engagement function at the credit union. Take it out of marketing, which is where it was. And really kind of stand it up on its own, give it its own teeth. Because it's important for us to, you know, show and demonstrate. You know, we say that we're part of the community every day, but, you know, we want to we want to show that. We want that to be meaningful to people and want it to be, um, you know, impactful. And that's kind of what brings me here today to talk to you because it is part of what we do. We have a, a big um, uh, education function at the credit union. So we go out and teaching all the high schools and middle schools and elementary schools for that matter. We teach kids about financial education. Um, but we also teach seniors um, about fraud and about some of the scams that are out there. And And I think that um, it really just kind of dovetails nicely into uh, our educational program, especially the topic that we're going to talk about this morning. You know, uh, this community engagement phrase um uh, a lot of uh, financial institutions, um, you know, you have competitors right. out there. Right? I have I have one or two. <laughs> yeah. uh, they like to talk about uh, community, community, community. But uh, they, the other word is really uh, the working word, community engagement. And uh, I think that um, I think you probably are the only guys out there that really uh, practice that in, in real terms uh, here in Rhode Island, looking at the uh, broader banking community uh, from uh, Northern Rhode Island and over the over the line in Massachusetts. Uh, you guys really mean it. Well, thanks, Roger. I think that you know, actions speak a lot of the words. I think it's easier for a community bank, and I will I will evoke the names of uh, some of my my friends and competitors out there. I think Dean Bank does a really good job, and Milford Federal does a good job. Um, but what you'll find is I think the smaller community banks do a much better job at, as you say, engaging the community, and that is. You know, that's activating your uh, membership, ownership, uh, customership of the institutions that you um, uh, that you belong to. I think we're all out for the same, you know, the same goal. It's to protect the money that you entrust us with. And so there's different ways of doing that. Um, and I know that uh, it, from Navigant's perspective, we, we have spent a lot of time trying to educate uh, folks on, on, A, how to protect their money, how to protect their, their assets. We've... You know, we've we've. Uh, I'll share some stories with you as we go on uh, about you know how how we do that. Um, but I I do think that uh, the smaller institution it's easier for us. We're a little more flexible in the community. We know the communities better than our national bank competitors. Um, and the national bank competitors, I I often feel like they're not as interested in me as an individual uh, as they are as me as a wallet if I have substantial money. And while there's a place for the national the big guys, um, we feel like areas in Northern Rhode Island and, and uh, lots of communities throughout the state, really, 
we work better with the smaller institutions. As a small state, you, I just feel like it, it all is a little, it little, works a little better. How did this program come about, and, and uh, who invited who? Uh, I uh, reached out to uh, Tim because um, the uh, issue here is uh, about uh, computers and, and cell phones. And I'm, I started on the premise, one of the most dangerous things you can have in your life is your cell phone or your computer because uh, there is incoming uh, assaults on a, on a daily basis. Right. So um, I know that personally, uh, you know, having a cell phone, having a computer. But tell me how it relates to your customers at Navigant Credit Union. Is this so much of a problem that you have to have some people uh, within, the, uh, within the company or within the institution assigned just to protect your depositors? We do. We ha have a, uh, a security crew that not only does physical security for the credit union, but they also do um, digital security. And, and they're always on the look, uh, they're always on the lookout for um, you know, dangers uh, with information that has reached the streets that... Um, you know, the reality is, folks, I know that people think, you know, I don't want to, I don't want a debit card. I, I don't want people to, I don't want to use electronic transactions. It's all scary. Um, the reality is, if somebody wants your information, it's likely that they have it at this point in time. Um, because it all starts with this thing called the data breach. And I think some people have probably heard that term. But essentially what that means is that means that somehow, some way, the, uh, the bad guys, the nefarious players out there have... Uh, managed to infiltrate some organization's computer system, and um, they're trying to get information from that computer system on a mass scale. So they're looking to try and get um, what we call non-public information, and non-public information would be things like your credit card number and the little CVV code on the back, um, your, I would say bank account, but I'm going to tell you something about that in a second. The um, uh, your social security number is non-public information. And whenever, whenever a bad player can get that information, they've got the basic tools to begin fraud attempts on you uh, as a consumer. And I say, and I would go back for a second and say that, that there's information that's um, non-public. You know, your bank account uh, is non-public, and people will tell me all the time, well, I, I write checks. And I have to remind them that their, check, their account number is on that check, uh, along with the routing number of a bank. So if you're using checks... It's essentially the same thing as using your credit card. So there's no, there should be no fear about using either because both are well protected. Um, it's just that the, the bad guys get more sophisticated every day. And quite honestly, we get more sophisticated every day in our way to try to uh, combat all that stuff. Um, so it's a, it's, a, uh, it's a misnomer if people think that, that their information is 100% safe regardless of the method of banking transactions that they use. Tim Draper is with us. And he's uh, over at uh, Navigant Credit Union. I'll give his title a few more times later, <laughs> on. Um, so when we were talking before we turned on the microphone, uh, uh, we broke it down. Uh, uh, you, you said it all begins with uh, uh, data breach or data breach. Uh, uh, and then the scams and the fraud uh, follow after that. Uh, right. But... Um, uh, without getting too specific, um, have you had um, customers or people that you know of, um, uh, you know, where the bad guys, as you call them, were successful? Um, unfortunately, I will say yes, that is the case. Um, you know, there's a lot of scams out there that require 
folks to come into the credit union to get money. It usually starts off with a phone call. We call this one the grandparent scam, where you get a phone call that says, hey, your grandson, granddaughter, grandchild is, um, uh, has been arrested in some foreign state, uh, and you need to send $30,000 to get them out, to bail them out right away. And you have, you have to use a Western Union because it's the fastest way to get there. Or um, you have to use uh, Bitcoin, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, during the show. But the, um, the reality is then those folks come into the credit union, and they say, I'd like to get a, a check for $30,000, or I'd like $30,000 in cash, which is also another possibility. Um, but our team is trained very well to look at those dollar amounts that seniors are requesting. Um, and, and again, I, sh I shouldn't say it's all seniors because a lot of times it's not all seniors. Sometimes it's, it's folks younger than seniors. But they'll come in and they'll, and they'll say, I need, to, I need this money. Well, we start asking probing questions. And this is where it gets a little delicate because I think people feel like we're trying to invade their privacy or it's none of our business what I'm, what I'm going to do with the money. Um, but I hope people understand that it's not that we're trying to invade your privacy. We're trying to understand uh, if this is something that we should be protecting or trying to protect you from. And so uh, we'll ask questions about that. And uh, in many cases, and I will say in most cases, um, we really, you know, convince that person that they need to take a second look at this. Um, we may actually call a relative. If we if we know the member enough that we may just say let's take a phone call to the to the joint owner of the account and ask them about it uh, and in like I said in most cases we can stop the fraud before it actually takes place but we've had some that are just it's unfortunate the reality is it's the member's money they can do with it whatever they want to do with it no matter how hard we try to prevent them from doing something that will ultimately be the wrong decision. Um, they can do it, and we've had a few that have, have lost money. And then, and then they'll come and say, well, you know, I need to get the money back. And unfortunately, there is zero way for us to get the money back. It becomes a police matter at that point, FBI, um, Treasury, and they'll, they'll, have to, they'll have to deal with that issue, and chances are that money will be long gone. Tim Draper, uh, if somebody uh, has an account with uh, your institution, uh, with Navigant, or any other financial institution, because this program is, we're assuming that not everybody listening to our program are navigant customers. What? That's impossible. Well, that's why there's, <laughs> that's why there's a separate advertising department <laughs> and marketing department. Right, uh, right. Because your goal is to have 100% of everybody right, signed up. Right. But anyway, uh, to our listeners, um, they, uh, if they go online and, and they they look at the, their accounts and there's a checking account and they've got the uh, uh, $2,400 in there, and then they they show a savings account uh, of um, maybe they're lucky to have $40,000 or something. Mm. Uh, so that person is able to look at the, uh, their, their balances. And from your experience um, in this uh, scam uh, uh, data breach um, uh, experience, can they get in there and... and I, I can I can get in there and transfer right. money around and so on and so forth. What um, what's going on in that area? So there are ways that that actually can happen, um, and you know there's, there's there's actually a few different ways. Let's let's take the data breach example for, for one. Um, a lot of those data breaches end up getting uh, debit card information um, that they can put together 
uh, the bad guys have got very sophisticated ways of, you know, one data breach provides them with name and, and address, whereas another data breach may provide them with a, a social security number, and then all of a sudden the bad guys can match those two. And then they're just, they just write computer programs that go out there and, and try to hack into people's accounts. So the most important thing to protect on your online banking is your PIN. And that's the either four-digit or more code that you use to access your account, the password. Um, we suggest you know changing your password every month or using a very strong password that's not something like Red Sox 2023. Um, and then next year, you're going to use Red Sox 2024. Um, those those things, the, the, the bad guys uh, have programs that, that those are the first passwords they look at. So you want to use a combination of letters and numbers and special characters from, um, you can use them from your life that are personal to you, um, but really some of the strongest ones are just the random generated ones that you, uh, that the, the, a, a program might give to you. So if you could protect at that layer by, you know, changing your pin on a regular basis and then the bad guys don't have the pin then you're not going to have to worry about any of your money in those accounts. They can't really do anything with that, and they're not going to. But on the rare occasion where somebody has your debit card and then they go out, um, and uh, I've had it happen to me, so it's, I'm not immune to it. Uh, I had a, a couple of charges in Tucson, Arizona at a pizza joint for like 200 bucks. And a lot of times these charges that you see that are around the country are more like $15, $20. They're not enough to They're raise subtle. suspicion. Right, subtle. Mm -hmm. Not enough to raise suspicion. But look at where it's done. And that's where the suspicion should be raised. Because if you go into your online banking and you click on your account and you get your list of transactions, most cases the transaction will tell you what state it was, it was transacted in. So if you weren't in that state and you don't know what, what that is, call the credit union right away. Call the, the number on the back of your debit card and have that shut down. And you can do that through your online banking as well, though. So, writing your PIN on the back of your uh, of your debit card or your bank card yeah, for your convenience a, is not the brightest thing. That is a big no right there. Could that's you excuse a, me for yeah. a few yeah, seconds? You might want to write, black that thing out right now. Use your little <laughs> Sharpie there, Roger, and get rid of that, the, that PIN. You know, um, you have your own um, credit card uh, system uh, at Navigant. Mm -hmm. uh, and so... Um, so if there's uh, some activity from Tucson, right? Um, so and somebody uh, makes a call, do they talk to to uh, Smithfield person, or do they talk to uh, your vendor in in uh, in Depends uh, Sacramento? Depends on what <laughs> hour of the day it is. Um, actually, it's that for, makes sense. for for a debit card. You're going to talk to somebody in Smithfield when you call because you'll call our regular um, line. But if it's if it's after hours, you'll talk to one of our vendor partners who um, who have their 24 hour fraud activation uh, fraud detection. Uh, systems uh, running. But you're going to talk to somebody. No, you're going to talk yeah, to somebody. Right. Yep, so you're going to talk to somebody. And, uh, and, and the nice thing is, Raj, to some of the, some of the, the, the uh, sophistication behind the credit card program and the debit card program is, is that they call these things neural networks. Mm -hmm. Sounds really matrix-like. But the reality is um, they are scanning for unusual trans patterns of spending. You know, if you live in Rhode Island and you've never left Rhode Island and all of a sudden you get a charge in Tucson, Arizona, they actually might block that transaction before it takes place and try to contact you and say, is this you? Um, and that's actually happened to me as well, mm -hmm. um, where I'll, I'll go to a store and um, 
something has happened with my card or it's out of a pattern that I have. It it's, doesn't look like something that I would normally transact business uh, with. Um, and they'll they'll be trying to reach me. Now, the reality is you, you, if, if they don't have my mobile phone number, I'm not going to get that call while I'm standing in line at the register. Uh, a lot of times they, they, we have home phone numbers on file at the credit union, so the calls go to the house, um, and then people get frustrated. And I understand that, but again, people are trying to, to hack your account um, and take money from you. You should always be happy that the credit union or your bank or whomever it is is trying to prevent that from happening. Having been in the bed and breakfast business for 25 years... I often would receive calls, uh, and I'm going to have to say Discover was very vigilant about mm -hmm. it, uh, but American Express, uh, MasterCard, uh, Visa, they, uh, they, they have um, mechanisms that alert them that something Correct. is wrong, and, uh, and uh, they will uh, try to inform you. And that's where my next question is going to go, yeah. information. So, um, one of, to me, I kept saying uh, in, in promoting this program that one of the most dangerous things you can have is that cell phone, that incoming mm. call. Hi, my name is Frank. Right. And um, I'm from uh, Navigant Credit Union. Yeah. And, um, and we think that uh, somebody has messed around with your PIN number and we'd like to change it for you right on the phone. Right. Would you do that? Yeah, no. <laughs> 100% no. That's okay. a big no. All right, let's take I, us down that road. Yeah, so that, that happens. All the time, mm -hmm. Roger. More frequently than I wish I would, I, I, I could say, um, makes me feel comfortable. They, they the, the bad guys are going to call your mobile phone and they're going to try to get information out of you. Now, I, we always tell folks, if the number's an 800 number that you don't recognize, most cell phones, most house phones now have caller ID on them. So if there's an, a, a no name or blocked or it's an 800 number you don't recognize... Just let it go to your voicemail. Just don't answer it. Um, I tell my mother that all the time. Don't answer the 800 number. Promise she doesn't answer any other calls either, but at least the 800 calls she's not getting. Um, and let it go to the voice. See what it see if they leave a message. Most of them won't leave a message. It'll be it'll be nothing. Um, but then those calls that do come through that do say, "Hey, listen, we just need you know this is uh, this is uh, Mario from uh, from Navigant Credit Union, and we are um, we've detected some fraud on your account." Uh, and we need the last four digits of your card number in order to make sure that uh, we stop the transaction. Lots of people will just go, "Oh, okay, pull their wallet out and give them the last four digits of, the, of their of their um, uh, of their card." That's like the last thing the bad guys need to be able to start making transactions out of your account, and you've just given it to them. So we always tell people, "Don't." Uh, first of all, my my credit union. Uh, my my um, my my friends in the banking industry, even the big guys, they're not going to call you and ask you to give them information. That's just not going to happen. So we would suggest you hang up the phone, and then turn around and dial two three three forty seven hundred to talk to our contact center and ask them if they've called us um, or called somebody uh, to get any information. And if it's beyond business hours, I can guarantee you we didn't call it. Because the contact center would be closed. So what prompted this program, Roger? So uh, what, um, what prompted it for me, uh, I just mentioned the telephone calls, but that computer or that cell phone where you're getting an email. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've been bombarded by uh, the emails saying that uh, you're, uh, whether it's Google or uh, whether it's, um, uh, it's T-Mobile. Right. They call and say, 
Um, we're, we've we've uh, detected, um, and they're not calling, excuse me, this is an email right. now. We just talked yep. about calls. That's just as dangerous, too. Oh, yeah. And they're out there, and they're after me. Right. And that's why I need your protection, Tim. Right, right. <laughs> what can I do? Well, you know, nobody is... Um uh, is is safe from email fraud or or text message fraud, and we'll start with email. You know, you're, we at the credit union uh, actually have a process where our security team sends potential phishing emails to the staff to make sure that we don't click on anything bad, uh, and they make it look really legitimate. Um, and so yeah, they copy logos and everything. Oh, yeah. It looks just like an email that you would get from the credit union. But there's a link in it. And that link will, will, will generally be the telltale sign that there's something going on. Um, you know, unless you're expecting an email from somebody who is asking you for information, um, you should uh, most certainly uh, not click on any, anything in the email. Um, if you have that person's... Let's say let's say you got an email from a friend of yours that says, "Hey, let's." Uh, I, here's a, a better one. My old my old CEO Gary Furtado sends an email. Hey Tim, I'm in um, Arizona. I'm doing a uh, I'm at a conference. Um, I my my uh, I, I forgot to uh, unlock my my bank account. Do me a favor, just uh, have somebody unlock the bank account for me. Now it looks like a legitimate email. Looks like it's coming from Gary, but I know that Gary's never going to do that. Mm-hmm. So um, I w- would then call Gary and go, did you just ask me to do this? And if he says no, I go, oh, that's, that's interesting. Somebody's out there asking you to do stuff. And they may have done it in an email. Um, or, he, or they may have sent me something with a link that says, hey, click here to fill out some information so that we can, we can do this. The moment you click the email, not even fill any information out, the moment you click it, the, the possibility of something being put on your computer some spyware put on your computer um, to either track how you uh, what you know what you're uh, looking at online to track what your um, uh, to when you when you open up your online banking on your computer they're capturing the login and password so don't be a smart guy and say I'm gonna I'm gonna play with them and uh, right you know and you know right. I'm I'm smarter than they right. are no. delete. Delete, they do this delete, 24 delete. hours a day. And That's they are, smarter than you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. That's what we tell them. Um, and with regards to your cell phone, you talked about the mobile phone here, too. Yeah. This is a, a newer, sort of a newer play. Uh, you'll get a text message. And a text message, very similar. Like Amazon has a, tra- has, a sh- has a shipment for you. Um, click here to uh, track your, your, uh, your, your shipment. Um, but I haven't placed any Amazon order. Interesting. Oh, I'm curious. I'm going to check it out. Let me check it out. See what's going on. (laughs) Or UPS needs to update your address or something like that. And there's a link, and you click it. Once you do that, they're now on your phone. They're they're tracking your keystrokes on your phone. When you sign in your online banking, they're grabbing that information. Um, It's really it's it's scary in the sense that that it happens to everybody, not just seniors. In this case, this is the upfront program. It's break time. We've got callers. We've got emails. We've got all a bunch of stuff here. Uh, uh, it's early bird special day uh, at uh, Savini's Pomodoro here in Woonsocket. Uh, and talking uh, with the uh, Moylans and uh, the gang that uh, runs uh, Savini's and Ciro's. And we'll be telling you about the new upstairs changes at Ciro's in, the, in a few uh, few days. And the reason I'm waiting is because I'm going to go check it out myself. I've been invited up there to check out the 
you remember that dining room that Curly used to have? I, I do. Right, I remember going right. there with Jim Melvin at right. Tire Pros. We'd go over for <laughs> tire lunch. Tire Pros. Holy cow. Tire Pros. <laughs> this, this isn't a nostalgic thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, uh, they, they've refixed it up there. It's, uh, it's beautiful. But today, um, my uh, focus is on the Early Bird Special. This has been a tremendous success at Savini's, and we're happy to uh, say that. It's um, Tuesday through Friday. Today's Friday. It's available. It's, um, uh, it's not a new concept. Early Bird Specials, you know, I mean, they've been around a long time. But they're back and very successful at Savini's, 4 o'clock until uh, 5.30 and today, fourteen ninety. Uh, excuse me, that was what I paid for a turkey yesterday. Eleven ninety nine is what um, the dinner uh, the dinner special uh, is. Eleven ninety nine, you get your choice of an entree. Uh, the pasta bolognese is absolutely wonderful, and then we're roasted potatoes or some ziti on the other side. It's all eleven ninety nine, and uh, it's all there every Tuesday through Friday at Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen. And bar right here in Woonsocket. Do stop by. And they have the oysters, too, at uh, Ciro's and Savini's for a buck between four and six every day. All right, what am I queuing up to uh, next? Uh, today is, uh, is today Friday, Tim? Friday. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right, that means if today is Friday, that means that Walt's Clothing on Cumberland Hill Road, one of Woonsocket's uh, signature uh, businesses uh, in terms of uh, of having clothing for the working guy out there, uh, Karen Lapine, she done, runs a great operation, and here's her message. American-made products. That's what we feature at Walt's Clothing, 837 Cumberland Hill Road, Woonsocket. Open Tuesday through Saturday. American-made, we're serious. Boots from Carolina, Thorogood, Red Wing, and Rocky, all made in the USA. Also, American-made sweatshirts, American-made socks, full-grain leather belts, bootlaces and leather guards and boot guards. And we carry treads, rubber overboots, American-made. So come on in to the place where the work person finds everything they need. Walt's Clothing, 837 Cumberland Hill Road. Find us on Facebook, or if you have a question, 765-7582. So, what's in your appetite? At Grumpy's in South Bellingham, their menu is so expansive, we can satisfy any taste. You may want to try a Grumpy Signature Burger. There are 12 to choose from. And if you like seafood, try our broiled seafood sampler of haddock, scallop, shrimp, lobster, and a stuffed quahog to go along. And you might want to check out our Taste of Italy, too, from eggplant, parmesan, spaghetti and meatballs, and many other Italian choices. And you may want to try a Grumpy Sirloin Steak. Filet Mignon or a Bourbon Street steak tip dinner. All char-broiled to your taste perfection. And we have a nightly menu special and also weekend specials. Kitchen open Friday and Saturday till midnight. Restaurant open seven days a week. It's time to make it a Grumpy's experience today. When choosing an insurance agent, experience, personalized service, and commitment to community is important. For over 20 years, Hunter Insurance has offered the best coverage at the most competitive price. Whether it's personal or business coverage, we'll create an insurance package designed just for you. We offer life insurance and annuities, disability, long-term care insurance, as well as retirement and college savings plans. Hunter Insurance, an independent five-star agency dedicated to supporting and giving back to the community. Visit us at 389 Old River Road, Lincoln, Rhode Island, or call us at 401-769-9500. All right, thank you, and we are back. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. 
Now, let's get back to the panel. WNRI AM and FM and then at WNRI.com. We've had that for 20, 25 years. One, Anyway, uh, this beside the fact, uh, we've got some callers. Uh, we've got an email. But um, I want you to cover a couple of things that are uh, timely, that are out there, and that you have to deal with. And incidentally, the guy we're uh, chatting with uh, today uh, is uh, Tim uh, Draper. And I apologize for not inviting you sooner uh, to do this show. Well, I am offended. All right. Well, uh, get over it. Senior Vice, <laughs> senior vice Suck President. Suck it up, Buttercup. Right. Senior Vice President of Public Relations, Community Engagement, Philanthropy, Foundation, stuff like that. What's going on in terms of fraud that's uh, current? Well, you know, there's a... Uh, if you... Have you been to a restaurant lately where they don't have a menu anymore? Oh, yeah. They've got the little QR codes. Oh, yeah. You're supposed I, to do is put on your phone. I'm not sure I approve of that, but uh, yes, well, there it is. It, it was one of those things that came out of COVID, right? You couldn't have menus that a million people were touching. And, um, and how do you do that so that you can show everybody what you have to offer in your restaurant? Um, but now what you're seeing is you're seeing uh, restaurants post-COVID use them because it's easier to change the menu. You don't have to print a whole bunch of new menus if you're going to put any new items on there or you're going to take beverages on or off. So for the restaurant, I certainly understand the convenience of having that. Um, but some restaurants that I've been to will take that QR code and they'll just put a sticker on the table and they'll say, you know, menu here. So you, you would think that that would be a, a safe thing to do. You you hover your phone over the, the, the code. For those who don't know what a QR code is, it's that box with a lot of squiggly lines in it. Um, you're starting to see a lot more of them. Uh, but you, you hover your phone over that, and it takes you to a website. Um, well, you want to make sure that that code really is the restaurant's menu. So, you know, maybe before you do that, you might want to ask your server if or wait for the server to tell you that their menu is online and this is how you get to it. Uh, because who's to say I don't walk into a restaurant with a bunch of stickers that have QR codes on them and I just happen to put them on the table and the waitstaff may not recognize that it's not their code. You know, they may they may just say, okay, no, we'll just move, we'll, we'll use it, put it here. So then I, poor Mr. Cut, Mr. and Mrs. Customer go over, you, you hit the, the QR code and the next thing you know, your phone's got spyware on it because you didn't know where that came from. So that's that's a that's one um, sort of newish uh, scam that's out there to be very concerned with. It's phishing is what they call it. Uh, and they're looking for information on your phone. Uh, and so you need to be very careful about that. I'm not saying don't use them and I'm not saying they're not all good because a lot of restaurants have them. They sometimes will have um, like a specials sheet with their with the code on the bottom of it. So if that's what the wait staff is giving you, then by all means, that's a safe code. Can I ask you a personal question? You can. Are, do you do you like those uh, uh, codes? Uh, I find them annoying to me. Yeah. But I think sometimes the restaurant owners yeah. and their view of technology is ahead of the customers. Yeah, um, I, I like them because I'm I'm an, I'm an old marketing guy from way back when, and it's and it's a very quick way for me to get people information that I want them to have. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's on their terms. They don't have to click on it if they don't want. But if they, if, if I, if I as a consumer want to get more information about something that I'm buying, maybe hitting that QR code is good. I will tell you where it's really helpful. And I, this is just a complete aside. Um, I bought a car a few years back and the, um, the, the owner's manual came with a little description of what they were going to talk about and then a QR code that took you to a video where somebody actually showed you, demonstrated 
the thing that they were trying to tell you. So I like that. I'm like, that's a that's a what a great way to do an owner's manual. I hate reading an owner's manual particularly. Ooh. And one more scam out there, uh, or uh, well, this is this is you know it's this time of the it's Christmas time, Raj. Did you know that today's Friday? It's the beginning of the holiday season. Well, sort of. Uh, for look Christmas. at this look on my face. Yeah, I'm, I know. It's disgusted. <laughs> contemporary. <laughs> but what that means is that there's two things. Number one, people are very generous this time of the year, right? It's the time of giving. We give gifts. We give, um, you know, our, our, our love and time to our relatives and friends. Um, but we also like to donate to organizations. We like to give to organizations, organizations that need us. And believe me, running a, a, the foundation right now, I know that in the state of Rhode Island, there are, m my donation requests are 40% higher than they were last year, and they were high last year. Um, so there's a lot of need out there. So there's a lot of organizations that are out there trying to convince you that their organization is the best and you should give them money. But that leads to a whole new level of fraud, believe it or not. Um, if you're getting... A, uh, an email or a text message that says, hey, the Salvation Army is looking for your donations this holiday season. Could you please click here and make a donation? Mm, I wouldn't do it with your phone. We talked about that a minute ago. What I would do if you were interested in doing that is go to the Salvation Army website and use their, their donate button there. So it's a cautionary tale because I think that there are things you can be skeptical of. I always say this, be your best, your own best advocate, be skeptical about everything. When anybody's asking you for something, be skeptical. And you can do that simply by going to websites, making phone calls and determining whether the request that's being made is a legitimate request. Let's see what some of our uh, listeners have to say. Uh, so, uh, do you have something you want to ask Tim Draper about? Uh, you've been waiting patiently. Thank you. Your question. Hello. Yep. Go ahead. Your question, please. Hello, Mr. Tim Draper. Yes. Yes. Go ahead, this is sir. Bill Cooza. Oh, Bill, how are you? Gas credit department. Oh my goodness, how are you, my friend? It's been a long time. Good. I always said you would make it to the top. <laughs> well, I'm about seven that? steps shy, but I'm getting there. <laughs> What's your question, I know Bill? Senior vice president, next in line for president. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I'm a member of the credit union, mm -hmm. and. Uh, Everybody that works there, I've been to several, they're all polite, they're all business-like, and they, uh, it's a good organization. Thank you, Bill. Thank you very much for your call, Bill. I appreciate that. Hello there. Welcome to the Upfront Program. Hey, good morning. I have a question. Um, Shoot. And maybe an observation. Well, let's start with the question. Yes. You, you, I'm talking to your guest, who's Mr. Who again, please? Mr. Draper. Draper, okay. He used to own the Draper Corporation in Hopedale, but he sold yeah, it. I, I that, wish. I've heard that name before many times. <laughs> oh, Mr. Draper, you mentioned, and I, and I can understand this, that if someone is the victim of this fraud, the they grand, grand, uh, grandchild fraud or whatever fraud, yes. you, can, you can try to help them and sympathize with them, but you cannot return their money. Correct? Co you stated that. That is correct. Okay. Let's say you're a victim of this internet fraud where I didn't I have $20,000 in an account, and I go to it the next day, and I have uh, 10000 mm -hmm. and it's gone overnight. In other yep. words, somebody got into your vault. Good, good question. Go ahead. Yep. So what's the answer? You've got to be liable for that. Right. So if, if that happened through a, let's say somebody used a debit card number, and it was a transaction like that, and they accessed your account that way, and they pulled the money out, 
then yes, you would have to file a police report. But the credit union will, in most cases, as long as there's nothing unusual, would put the money back in your account for you. Which is, um, which is interesting in the sense that we didn't have anything to do with the fraud, yet we're the ones that have to put the money back into the customer's account. And we would do that in, again, it depends on the conditions and the circumstances of the event. But in most cases, uh, Visa fraud, MasterCard fraud, things like that that happen through your debit card, where they access your online account and pull the money out that way, those are covered by, by Visa and MasterCard. As rules. Mr. Bouchard said, he can go into his account and I can go into mine on my phone if I choose to and right. just move money around. Right. You and can... he said to you, can these other guys do that? And you said, yes, they can. If they, if so, you, if you, gave, if you clicked on a link, and they had tracking on your phone where they found how to do that through your username, password, and ID, that's slightly different, in the sense that there was an action that 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 was uh, precipitated by an email or you clicked on a link or something like that. So it gets more complicated, and that's what I mean by depending on the the circumstances around that type of transaction. Um, who you know? Who gets liable for what? Um, and it does take a little bit of time once you do that, unfortunately. Thank you, sir. So in other words, <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong. I don't. I don't want to make a, an improper conclusion. Yeah. It's. It's not. In other words, I could click on a link. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm taking from you. I could do that. Yes. It's an action by me yep. that I shouldn't have clicked on. Mm -hmm. But they were able through that to get into my account, which your bank is protecting, mm -hmm. and take money. And you don't return the money to me. Is that what you just told me in so many words? Again, it really depends on the circumstances. Here's um, where I think all this comes from. Uh, member uh, uh, FDIC, member uh, NCUA, I think that people think, and uh, this is something that, that our caller and I have to understand, right. your savings are protected by those agencies for bank failures. Right, in the right. event that a bank right. fails. Right, so therefore it's not, um, uh, your, your money is not protected uh, when you uh, decide to um, to have an account uh, and you're uh, you're playing around with your, uh, your computer and you somehow permit somebody else to get into that. That's why I'm, you know, I've got the same concern that you do, caller. Uh, I've got money uh, sitting in, sitting there and and um, I'm hoping uh, that my financial institution has a, the firewall, as they say, mm -hmm. to, to protect my money. Uh, but um, but um, it's, it's not 100% right. safe. And it's not to All say right, that we're yeah, not going to try to help. I mean, we're certainly mm -hmm. going to give our security resources a shot at seeing where that money might have come out from. Um, but a lot of times, he ends up getting more federal agencies involved. Caller, do not keep it under your mattress. I told you not to do that before, and, uh, and it's safer the way it is. Hey, hey, appreciate I'm, your call. I'm, I'm, right now, I'm thinking about the mattress might be a good spot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, caller. All right. Tim, um, um, you're in studio uh, with us, uh, mm. but um, we have a feature that we run here on the program. On uh, Fridays uh, with, uh, I don't know if you know Mr. Martin from Crossroads Real Estate Group, uh, but uh, he's been around a long yep. time. And um, so he answers our real estate question of the week. And uh, good morning to you, Bob. How are you doing today? Good morning, Roger. I'm doing fine. And yourself? Excellent, excellent. Thank you for uh, rearranging your schedule a little bit. And um, and now we're ready. Uh, how's it feel to have me doing uh, the question instead of John Brian? 
Right. How's it feel for you to be there? Yeah, it's nostalgic, <laughs> right? Uh, that's what yeah. it is. And, and and I just want to remind you, remind you, it's the day after Thanksgiving. The Christmas carousel is getting closer. And uh, I, I've reserved a spot for you. Are you happy? Oh, I'm sure you have. Okay, thank you. Here's the question of the day. My house is for sale. I had a buyer who did a house inspection and as a result asked for a substantial price reduction based on the inspection report, which he gave me. I did not agree to the lower price and he voided the contract. My house is back on the market. Am I obligated to report what was on the report to any new buyer? What are the responsibilities here, Bob? Well, I guess I'd start by let your conscience be a guide. Um, the problem with the home inspection, I mean, there's not a problem with them, but uh, there is no home inspector that has ever inspected a property, looked at the buyer, said, I'm charging you $500 and this house is perfect. So they're, they're paid to criticize. And, and oftentimes they find, you know, most of the time they find something valid. I'm not saying they embellish anything, but every home has some improvements to make. Uh, so when a homeowner looks at this report, uh, if it says, you know, I would say I'd look at the major things. If he says your roof is leaking, well, certainly the buyer should disclose that. Uh, however, if he says you have a loose handrail, um, your shrubs are too close to the house, you should cut them back. Um, I noticed one of the stairs, uh, it's a different rise outside, um, you know, you know, so <clears throat> when there are things like that, no, I would, I would forego that and they'll come up again. But if it's items like, well, we noticed that, um, the hot water tank's leaking. Well, a homeowner will probably say, well, you know what? Thanks for telling me I'm going to repair it. That's a whole different thing than saying your hot water tank is seven years old five years old, and honestly, every home inspector is going to say the same thing. If it's five years or older, they're going to say it's, it's nearing the end of its useful life. Is he obligated to report that? No. Um, not in my opinion. So he needs to digest, but if there's anything that he was unaware of that is material, substantial, uh, he'd know if there was water in the basement. But at times, they'll, they'll know that they'll, you know, they'll find things. So I would go through that report and um, and say, okay, you know what? There's nothing in here that I didn't already disclose. These are these are embellishments. Uh, you know, your your outlets are not grounded. Well, you know, if the house was built in 1940. No kidding, they're not grounded. I never said they were. Does he have to report that they're grounded or they're not grounded? No. So, uh, quite honestly, oftentimes, not to hide things, but. When a buyer wants to, if we have the listing and the buyer says, I want out, uh, and they ask for a couple of particular things and the seller says no, we oftentimes tell the homeowner, don't even ask for the report. Because now it's, you know, uh, I don't want to say plausible deniability, but um, if the buyer is asking for some things, because those are the things that are material. Unfortunately, what happens is a, a, a buyer can void the contract simply by saying I'm not um, not comfortable or I don't agree or I don't like the home inspection report. Does not have to give any particular reason. Um, he can simply say within that period of time, that 10 days, those of a weekend, it's totally cancelable. So oftentimes a buyer will try to improve 
the property as opposed to repair deficiencies. When you say that, um, you know, outlets are not grounded. Well, other than being around the, the kitchen where you should have a GFCI uh, and say, but I want them all, I want you to rewire the house. That's an embellishment. That is not a default. If when it was done, it was code. So oftentimes a, a buyer will try to take advantage of that and ask for things that are simply either deferred maintenance or they're an improvement of the property that came about since the house was built in whatever whatever time frame. To say the roof is old but not leaking, but I want a new roof, that's, that's an improvement and embellishment. Unless the seller misrepresents and so I have a new roof. The home inspector goes and says, well, you have two layers and it's been up there 20 years. So that's these, a difference. These inspection reports are not, uh, you know, black and white. They're not... Uh they're very subjective uh, as to what you should or shouldn't do uh, with them, right? Well, well, in a sense, they're subjective. However, um, when they deliver the report, it's basically a yes-no checkoff. There is not a lot of dialogue explaining anything. Hmm. Um, and um, that's why we always try to, regardless of the side we represent, we want to be there. Um, the example I've used for many years is there was an older home, the center beam had been there for about 100 years, and the home inspector said, see the center beam? He said, it hasn't moved in 100 years, it's not bowed. However, if this were being built today, it, we the, the building code would require a couple of lolly columns. Well, the buyer came back and said, the home inspector said, I need lolly columns. No, that, that's not what he said. So it's very important to listen, and a good home inspector will not alarm the buyer. He will pick out things, but he should not be an alarmist. And there's two reasons for home inspection. People look at it as, I want to find deficiencies, but a good home inspector will also recommend future things to fix that it's not necessary right away, but yeah. in the next couple of years, you might want to do this. So he, he, embellish, you know, he doesn't embellish, but he, he educates, particularly a first-time home buyer. This is where your shutoff is. This is where that is. So it's a twofold thing. It's an educational process. But regardless of, depending on what was disclosed in that report, I would say if I were the seller, I would look at it and say, you know what? If I lived in this house now and I decide not to sell it, these whatever one, two, three, four, I know I'd have to. I I'd fix them myself. Well, then I would disclose it. And your answer, you know what? It's been, it's been that way forever. I'd leave it alone. And your answer is an educational <laughs> educational experience in itself in dealing with uh, with these inspection people. Thank you. If they uh, need to talk to you, Bob, uh, could I say uh, 766-7545, extension 111, or is there an easier way to get in touch with you? Uh, directly to myself, 401-474-7500. Uh-huh. Uh, However, on a day like today where I've left the office closed, all three offices are diverted to my cell phone anyway. So if they call you the number, I will be answering the phone. Always a pleasure uh, talking with you, and thanks for accommodating us today. Okay, Rod. Take care, Bob Martin. Crossroads Real Estate Group, our real estate question of the week. This is a weekly feature. Now back to uh, Tim Draper. We've got a few more minutes uh, to spend with him from Navigant Credit Union. And, you know, this is such an important uh, topic, uh, Tim, that... uh, 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know how old you are. I'm not going to ask you, but do you uh, get the AARP magazine? Oh. <laughs> yes, I do. Well, then he's old enough. Right? I'm old enough. All right. I can. I qualify for the senior discounts yeah. at McDonald's. All right. All Another uh, thing that inspired me to uh, do this program: 14 top scams to watch out for mm-hmm. in 2023. And number one was something that you mentioned when we were off microphone a while back, and I, this might be the uh, final question cryptocurrency yeah. and and they also they marry romance scams oh, together yeah. oh yeah so maybe we could close close off right. with that and then uh, uh after you see the list of other scams or uh, maybe you'll want to come back sometime but why don't you yeah. talk to that one about so the us. so cryptocurrency is a digital currency it's it's i will say fairly new um and it is something that a lot of people including people in the financial services industry um are still, you know, getting their arms around. But what happens is, uh, particularly, we'll talk, you know, these, these romance scams uh, happen quite frequently as well. There's a, you know, somebody has lost a loved one, they're, uh, they're lonely, uh, they go online, they find out that there's somebody in Romania who um, they start to develop a friendship with and they communicate via uh, online chat and, you know, all of a sudden now they're romantically involved digitally romantically involved with this person halfway around the world and the person says well i'd like to come out there but i can't i don't have uh, enough resources to um you know to to get on a plane and come out here maybe you can send me uh some money to to, to get down to get over there and I'll, I'll i'll come by and you know we'll we'll continue our relationship so they will ask for uh digital currency they'll ask for bitcoin is a, a, a particular type of currency that you probably have heard a lot about um, and they want to be paid in Bitcoin. Now, that's not as simple as going to the bank and going, hey, can you convert my $20,000 to Bitcoin? That's not, that's not the way that works. You actually have to have an account um, online where you send um, a, a intermediary this $20,000. They convert it to Bitcoin. And then that Bitcoin you can send to whomever it is that you want to send it to. A little bit of a complex way to do it. But the reality is it's untraceable. So once you've converted it to digital currency, and once it's off, you're never getting that money back. Like Nobody's giving them cash, it. right? It's, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's like giving them, it's like sending them an envelope full of cash. It yeah. really is. And um, unfortunately, that does happen. It's not quite as frequent as some of the other ones, but it's getting a little more popular. Um, so whenever somebody asks you to pay for something in Bitcoin or in digital currency, you should be skeptical of that. Good morning, Tim. I'm a victim of uh, this is email. I'm yeah. a victim of uh, data breach uh, that yeah. included my social security number. What am I to do? Mm. Uh, am I uh, am I screwed? As you put it, for a lifetime yeah. with this? No, you're really not couple things that are really good practice to do. First of all, you can get a credit report every year. Um, it's annualcreditreport.com, I believe, free. Yep. And I highly suggest, we always highly suggest you do that once a year. That way, when you get the report, you can look through it and you can see if anything unusual is taking place. Anybody opened up an account in your name. A lot of times, data breaches end up with um, information that will allow people to get loans that's how a lot of this unemployment fraud took place over the pandemic. Um, so the first step there is to monitor your credit, which means to, uh, to, you know, to, to pull a credit report every year. You could also do credit monitoring um, companies as well. There's ways to do that. Um, another effective way to prevent fraud from happening uh, is to freeze your credit. So you can go to the three credit bureaus, TransUnion, Experian, 
blacking out on the third hey, one. Hey, I can't help you out here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> NBC, ABC, right, CBS, right. Um, the Fox. Experience. Right, there's, right there's, I can do those. I can't help you out Correct. There. there are three credit bureaus out there. You can Google them and you'll get yeah. them all. Um, but you, you can actually go on and freeze your credit, which means that nobody can issue credit in your name because you have chosen to freeze your credit. Now, what happens when you need a loan? What happens when you want to buy a car? You actually have to go back in and unfreeze your credit, but you can unfreeze it for a short period of time so that the transactions can take place when they need to take place. I have a colleague at work who's frozen his credit, forgot that he froze it, went to buy a new car, and they were like, yeah, sorry, your credit's been declined. Mm -hmm. and he's like, how is that happening? And then he realized that he had actually frozen it. But that's, that's step number two. Step number three, Roger, real quick, change your password. Change your passwords as often as you can. Don't write them down in a place that everybody has access to them. You know, find us. I use a password keeper for my cell phone where all my passwords are in a, a special password keeper that has a very uh, strong encryption so not anybody could get into it. Um, but that'll help, that helps me remember all the passwords I have. I apologize for not have, uh, inviting you sooner. Uh, <laughs> but on the other hand, uh, uh, please be expecting a call from me later yeah. to do another show. We're out yeah, of time. This has been fun. I can't believe Great. how fast it's going. And I uh, also have, uh, from the AARP, uh, that was number one. There were 14 scams right. to talk about. And I looked at them ahead of time uh, last night. I said, there's seven or eight of them related to the financial industry. So right. it's not like uh, we're just having you as a scam expert right. on, on general topics. Right. And everybody should know that right. every, every bank, every credit union that's out there, um, we're doing our level best every day. We invest a ton of money in security protocols, information security, to keep your information safe with us. Uh, and to make sure that your accounts are protected. Uh, and that you can count on that, um, that we're doing that. Hey, we'll see you on uh, Monday's Upfront program. I'm Roger Bouchard. Good day. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket. real authentic bakery treats if you are then krakow deli bakery and smokehouse has the flavors of krakow poland krakow has authentic polish rye bread bread with caraway seeds or without country style bread round five pound loaves that has a thicker crust it's close to a sicilian bread multi-grain bread with cranberries that can even be used as a dessert assorted rolls crusty on the outside and soft on the inside also close to the italian ciabatta and focaccia bread babka bread and strudel like cinnamon fruit, prune, chocolate, poppy seeds, and many, many more. Homemade Polish and Italian cookies, traditional Polish cheesecake, seasonal pies in different varieties. Krakow Deli Bakery and Smokehouse, where you can stop in and sit down to enjoy our delicious Polish dishes. Everything made on the premises. Stop in and warm up with our variety of soups and stews. Always available to take home or enjoy eating in. Located at 855 Social Street. Open Tuesday through Saturday. A one-time Olympic track star granted parole after 10 years in a South African prison for a deadly shooting. Oscar Pistorius, a double amputee, won multiple Paralympic gold medals. But in 2013, he shot and killed his partner, Riva Steenkamp, through a toilet door at his home. Pistorius was convicted of murder in 2015. He's due to walk out of prison on the 5th of January. The BBC's Daniel D. 